Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Pretty sure that's how it goes. Yep, that is exactly how the Avengers theme song goes. Josh and I are the penultimate, ultimate, greatest Marvel fans of all. No, not even close. Not even close. If Kessler was here, he might have a claim to that throne. But I'm not. Yeah, I'm not one of the great Marvel fans of all time. I do like it, but I'm just not. I'm not quite yeah. up there with the crazy. We're not yeah. su- well, hardcore. Not, not hardcore, yeah. Yeah, yeah there it is. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? We are, you are watching slash listening to the Command Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Uh, with War of the Spark is now here. The Avengers movie is coming out. Uh, it's out. Uh, it's That's right. At, thought, at the time you're watching this, it's out. At the time we're recording it, it's not. It's not out. Yeah, but, you know, it's about time that we've done a lot of, like, breakdowns of top 10 cards and stuff, but we've never done a full-on Planeswalker discussion. We did a Planeswalker set review, but today we're going to tell you the ultimate guide to Planeswalkers in Command our favorite permanent types of all time right josh yeah we did <laughs> i don't know about that last part <laughs> we did a super friends episode but this is going to be just planeswalkers whether you're building super friends whether they're in your 99 whether you're it's facing super friends also planeswalker maybe as your commander if you mm-hmm. have one of the ones that's legal that way so it's really going to be a full-on guide to just how planeswalkers work in the format yep and that means you may get excited to buy some Planeswalker cards or some War of the Spark. I mean, there's 37 Planeswalkers in that. So that's yeah. Insta Super Friends if you want to do it that way. I'm just going to tell you, if you want those cards, really easy. Just go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. So use, easy. Yeah, if you just use that affiliate <laughs> link when you're ordering any of your Magic singles, products, anything at all, really does help this show. It helps game nights. Mm-hmm. You know, Game Nights uh, will be out at the time you're watching this. So if you haven't already seen it, go check it out. Check it out. Yeah, there's some cool decks and some cool interactions. You might want to pick up some of those cards. Again, supporting Card Kingdom really does support us. And you can also trade in for cards, too. You don't need to just buy them. That's true. They have a great trading system. Another way to support the show, Ultra Pro. Uh, we uh, obviously adorn our our desks and our, our play areas with Ultra Pro products all the time. We just gushed about this amazing play mat of Deliver Unto Evil, one of the cards we help spoil as well. Yeah, this is my favorite art in the set. This thing is sweet. Yeah, it's super sweet. Uh, and a big thank you to Ultra Pro for sponsoring the show. So pick up some of those products next time you see some. I just want to say really quick too, uh, 
If you haven't watched Game Nights, you should at least click to the end of it and enter the contest to be able to win one of these Deliver Unto yeah. Evil playmats. We have, we're giving away a bunch of stuff, but the Deliver Unto Evil one, that's the one you really want. And it's signed by all of us as well. <laughs> and the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. You can contribute to this show, Game Nights, Extra Turns, all our stuff. You get a bunch of perks, like you get to see Game Nights a day earlier than Ooh. than the, the civilians, as Spicy. we call them. And <laughs> the you also get access to our Discord server, mm -hmm. depending on what, uh, tier, what you're tier you're at. And then you can talk with Jimmy and I each and every day. And we also shout out one lucky patron every single episode. So this episode, episode, episode is dedicated to, to Darren Leslie. Darren. You rock. And you also have the two first names things going on. Oh, I do want to say really quickly here, and we announced this on Game Nights also, the audition for Game Nights that was available to the patrons, if you send in a video and you want to be a guest on uh, Game Nights, come sit with Jimmy and I and play on camera. Uh, we are going to be announcing the winner on the very next episode of this podcast. So make sure you tune in next week when it's released if you uh, audition to the show. And also make sure you tuned in if you... Did not did. for the show. Yeah, just go ahead and watch it either way. And if you're not subscribed, make sure you subscribe, hit that notification bell so you know exactly when it comes out. I, All I, right. I would find it hard to believe any of our patrons are not subscribed, but right, you never know. Right, right, Sometimes right. that happens. Well, maybe you're just a civvy that wants to know who won. <laughs> That's true. You know? Civvy. All right. So let's go on to our main topic, the ultimate guide to planeswalkers in Commander. By ultimating them. Yeah. I mean, everybody's excited about planeswalkers right now, right? Yeah. Even I am, and I am not like the biggest planeswalker fan on the planet. But Me too. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. And whether you're building a straight Super Friends deck or you want to see how you can buff up your deck and put some cards in there that help it out that are planeswalkers, or you're worried about all your friends doing that, this guide is here to discuss uh, and help you out in terms of talking about what planeswalkers are, how they work, how you can beat them, how you can play with them and use them to the ultimate ability, and their role in the overall format of Commander. All right, so let's start with just the pros and cons of Planeswalkers. You know, it's a really unique card type. Yeah. None of the other cards work like Planeswalkers do, and they come with their own sort of hurdles and problems and also their own upsides. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the cons first. The thing that I think is the easiest thing to notice is you jam a Planeswalker on the battlefield, you immediately have a target on your back slash their back. And they're a lot easier to remove, right? Because you can attack into a Planeswalker, and it's very hard to politic your way out of that. Just can't do it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, they put a bigger target than an, the other card types because of a number of reasons. One is in other formats, especially like limited, mm -hmm. they are, tend to be such powerhouses that some of that will carry over yep. to like the threat assessment in EDH. And yeah, I really like what you said at the end there. Multiplayer is such a different beast than 1v1. It's pretty hard to protect a card that can get attacked like a Planeswalker from the other three players. If they really want to, they can yeah. work together to get rid of the thing. And that just kind of tends to happen. So a downside is definitely that it can kind of sometimes just get like one activation and then removed for free if you're not careful by them just being like, yeah. hey, I'll get the blocker out of the way and then you attack it, okay? And it's like a lot of times that doesn't even cost your opponent's cards. Yeah. And then or somebody just happens to like have a flyer or something and it's uh, that, that part of it can be pretty tough. Yeah, not to mention if you are jamming a Planeswalker, they're usually the better ones are higher mana cost as well. So people will have creatures on the board at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, another con effects can be pretty minimal like you just said if you only get to use it once if you're not just immediately finding a way to ultimate them when they enter the battlefield yeah a lot of planeswalkers have like make a 2-2 or <laughs> draw a card right like that's a yeah. lot of their pluses and a minus might be like destroy a thing something like that and so if you're not careful if your opponents are just going to team up and get rid of it for free it can really be 
not worth it. It can feel like you kind of wasted your turn if, if you don't set it up properly. Yeah, it's not instant speed. It is a sorcery speed card activated at sorcery speed for the most part. Um, so yeah, that does definitely tend to put a hamper on which Planeswalkers can really be good in the format as well. And they're kind of slow. That's that's the last con we have listed here. They are value engines almost always, mm-hmm. but it's incremental and it's not like what's what's a it's not expropriate, right? Like it yeah. doesn't just do a huge thing normally when it comes down. Now there are some exceptions we'll talk about later, but your baseline, you play the planeswalker, you plus it or you minus it. Yeah. Generally, that's a smaller effect. It's not even usually worth the cost of the thing because it's not like a sorcery that did that. Like a planeswalker comes down, draws you a card, maybe. Mm-hmm. A sorcery that costs five mana would draw you three cards, maybe. Yeah, and not to mention that's I guess how they wanted to balance the planeswalkers power wise. They couldn't just be play the card, win the game, and you can use it again and again if it stays alive. It's it play the card and it will uh, we'll go into the pros now. It can give you a lot of repeatable value over the effects over time. And of course, if you can get it to an ultimate inevitability. So the fact that it is a little bit slower in that way also is a huge downside for it in commander. Yeah, so I, I think that's kind of the biggest pro of Planeswalkers at a baseline level is that inevitability. Mm-hmm. Most of them, even without the ultimate, are just like going to give you value because you're going to keep doing stuff. Whatever it is they do, even if it's just make a 2-2. Yeah. Make a 2-2 every turn. It doesn't cost you mana after the first time you played it. So yeah. that's just like an untenable situation that's hard to keep up with if your opponent's not doing something of a similar power level because you just get to keep doing that with no additional mana investment. And that's like really the power of the Planeswalker is like a thing that's going to keep happening or a, a choice of a few things that's not costing you any of your other resources. And is almost always benefiting just one player. Uh, so it obviously puts that target on its back. And I think the main pro of Planeswalkers and why people really love playing them for me at least, is the fact that a lot of times if you are able to hit their ultimate immediately, you just can almost guarantee a win. It's it's expropriate levels, a powerful paradox engine levels. You do that one ultimate one time, boom, you are clearly in the lead. Um, and there are some ultimate planeswalkers that are just okay, but the ones that do win, win in a big fashion. Yeah, there are ultimates that are basically like an omniscience emblem, which is like an uninteractable thing where I can just cast all my stuff for free. There's yeah. the new Liliana has like everybody sacks all pretty much basically all, their all your yeah. opponents sack all except for one of each permanent type. So they all go down to one land is the real big one there. Yeah. And that's <laughs> like, how are they going to win from there? There's a whole bunch that just like if you can ultimate it, it basically wins. Not every planeswalkers like that but yeah there are a lot and wizards has been very careful as well to how much loyalty it costs and if it's double their starting loyalty if they can ultimate or not they've been much more careful about that in recent years because of cards like doubling season which we'll talk about later but the problem was it took them a number of years to learn that lesson and so there's all these old ones that are just kind of broken with doubling season and some other things so the ultimate is definitely a pro of the planeswalker it's one of the ways to abuse them yeah uh, another pro, another upside of playing Planeswalkers is that they are sort of a harder to remove um, with a spell, with, with a regular card type, spell. right? Yeah. yeah, I think we alluded to this just now, but Planeswalkers didn't exist for the first like however many years, eight years or something of Magic. Twelve, I twelve. Think. Okay, so for the first like decade or so of Magic's existence, there was not Planeswalkers, which mm-hmm. means that cards from that first era don't refer to planeswalkers in any way because they didn't know they would ever exist. And therefore, there's a whole ton of stuff that just says, 
do something about a creature. Destroy it, exile it, bounce it, Enchantments whatever. Enchantments, artifacts, lands. That's a decade worth of cards where there's no way a card would have been printed there that does something about a Planeswalker because yeah. they didn't have that as a thing. Yeah, you would only find that on non-land permanents and permanents, cards that affect those types. But and, and there's a whole bunch that would, these days, if they were printed, it would say non-land permanent on it, but it doesn't. It literally says creatures, enchantments, artifacts, and lands or something like that. Yeah, or add Planeswalker as a type that it affects. Yeah, so it's there are cards like Nev's Disc. Again, we'll talk about it later, but it was templated from the old days. Mm-hmm. Doesn't just doesn't say Planeswalker on it. So it just wipes everything except Planeswalkers because when it was invented, Planeswalkers wasn't a thing. Yeah, which makes it really good in Super Friends yep. decks because it's a one-sided board wipe in a lot of ways. So but. interacting with Planeswalkers outside of combat is actually pretty difficult because they just haven't gotten around to printing a critical mass of yeah of cards that do something else about it and a lot of cards like the elder spell that only deal with planeswalkers aren't as good in commander because they're not as flexible and if there are no planeswalkers on the battlefield you just have a dead card in your hands right all right all right so those are the pros and cons we're going to talk about some of the best planeswalkers here first of all yeah Um, we're going to start with the best planeswalkers that can be your commander the first this? one I have a deck. I have this deck. Wait, really? Yeah, I did not know that. So this is my one CEDH deck that I have. That for every once in a while, an event or something, you gotta uh, just bust it out. People sometimes people want to, and I felt bad for 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 a couple of years I didn't have one, and enough people asked often enough that I'd be like, well, I'll have one on me, and if everybody wants to do that, then I can at least roll with the. I'm not like rolling out with my seven out of ten deck. I need a <laughs> ten out of ten. So the first one is Teferi Temporal Archmage. Uh, it's a Teferi Chain Veil deck. Teferi yeah. is probably the most powerful singular Planeswalker as Commander deck in the format. Uh, Teferi has three abilities. Um, the se- the second one's the big one. You can untap four target permanents. Permanents. Yeah, and then he gives an emblem, which basically is Videlkin Orrery for your Planeswalker abilities, which yeah. is uh, right in my alley, but you never do it. You You want to play him, minus one him, and then go infinite, right? Generally, yeah. You minus one them, untap a bunch of um, artifacts. artifacts that tap for a lot of mana, Grim Monoliths, Monoliths Mana yeah. Vaults, mana vault. Gilded Lotuses, and then you also have Chain Veil out, and you untap that as well. And so you're creating mana, and you go infinite with mana and infinite on um, activations for Teferi, and draw your whole deck, and you win the game that way. Yeah, uh, Very powerful. Very powerful. It doesn't matter that it costs six mana. You're mono blue. You're going to ramp out to him anyway. And the most important part, again, is he is untapping permanence, not even non-land. So you, if you need to, you can you can untap a land if you want to. A really quick thing, too, because we ask this a lot when we talk about Teferi and the Chain Veil combo that people don't understand is as many times as you've activated Chain Veil, mm-hmm. any Planeswalker you play after that point will know how many times Chain Veil was activated. So the trick with Teferi is right. you, you minus Teferi till it dies. Then you replay it because you've made a ton of extra mana. And now when you replay Teferi, it goes, oh, Chain Veil's already been activated five times this turn, which means you already get five activations of Teferi when it comes in. Jeez. And then you're also stacking more Chain Veil triggers with those extra activations, and that's how it goes infinite. A lot of people get lost on that, sorry. Yeah, it's a weird thing where, like, prior history of a game state, it doesn't, it never really clarifies, you know, in the rules text how that works. Yeah. Um, and the next best Planeswalker as commander would be, a, it's actually a, a card that doesn't say this card can be your uh, commander because it starts as a creature, and that's Jace Vryn's Prodigy, who is a one in the blue, and basically you can tap to loot, to draw and discard. However, when there are five or more cards in your graveyard, you basically exile him and then flip him uh, to his back, which is a Planeswalker, and he is able to basically snapcast or something back. He can uh, cast a target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard, uh, and then it gets exiled. Um, so... Again, this is one of those infinite mana kind of things where you are trying to draw your whole deck. You are 
I mean, you're just going infinite with mono blue. In general, if you're playing a mono blue deck and you're not going infinite, you're you're not on the competitive side of things. The ones I've seen, the very powerful ones, are uh, Palancron infinite mana or uh, Basalt Monolith, Rings of Bright Hearth infinite mana. Yeah. One of those combos to get infinite mana and then uh, Blue Sun Zenith everybody out. Draw your whole deck first and then Blue Sun's everybody out. Yeah. Something um, like that. The next is actually a newer, uh, on the new set of Planeswalkers that can be your commander. It's Lord Windgrace, who I think is just the strongest precon too, right out of the box, right? Of that grouping, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, he just has so much value attached yeah. to him. Uh, he is black, red, and green in two, and you can discard a card, then draw a card, so that's the red version of looting. Um, and if you discard a land, you draw an additional card. And he, of course, wants to be binning lands because you can return lands to the battlefield from your graveyard with his uh, minus three. But more specifically, you can also just freely blow up a lot of lands in this deck and be happy with it. Because the negative two is, or sorry, negative three is return two target lands from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yeah. So you can just recover faster than everybody else. We yeah. saw how powerful Gitrog Monster was, right? I, the Lord Rengrace deck, if you want to build the mean, super powerful version, it's got a lot of mass land destruction. Also, the not mean version, which is like, I'm just going to cycle through my lands and get a bunch of value, is still very, very good. Super powerful. Yeah. Um, want to talk about the next one? Yeah, so the the sort of fourth most powerful Planeswalker as commander, and I think we're getting pretty far down the list here. Yeah. Cause... The first two are really good. <laughs> Windgrace, if you build the mass land destruction version, is strong, um, and I think even the the not mass land destruction is can be like an 8 out of 10. Yeah. Aminatu is the next one, and I think it's the ceiling is a little bit lower on it, but Aminatu still can be very, very good. Uh, Aminatu has... Three abilities. Well, she's cost three. It's white, uh, blue, and black. Which is actually very powerful in its it's in and of itself. It's CMC, a three CMC, yeah. Planeswalker. Um, you can draw a card and then put a card from your hand on top of your library. That's her plus one. Her negative one is you exile another target permanent you own and then return it to the battlefield under your control. It's not at the next end step either, which is very important. Yeah, instant flicker is very rarely printed in Magic. Usually it's at the next end step or when it's your next turn. So the fact that she does this immediately... Well, you can guess the shenanigans with Enter the Battlefield effects and also other cards that flicker things. Her ultimate doesn't matter too much. It's this weird thing where you basically take all the permanents from the person <laughs> on your right, but you give all your permanents to the person on your left, and everybody does that. It's except for Aminatu. Yeah. yeah, she stays. The big thing with her, uh, the big sort of abusable thing is like Felidar Guardian, which blinks. You blink the Guardian with Aminatu, and then when the Guardian comes in, it blinks Aminatu, and Aminatu comes back and blinks the Guardian. Now you've got an infinite loop of enter the battlefield, but you need something else with that. And there's a number of things like Altar of the Brood or something will just mill everybody out or those types of... Yeah. It's, it's if you a, played uh, Commander enough, like that kind of thing will kill you in a number of different ways. Yeah, Ultra of the Brood too. One of those cards I think gets very underrated because you kind of have to build around it to win with it. Yeah. But once you do, you just you just win. So those are, we think are the four most powerful commanders, uh, Planeswalkers as commanders. But there are a bunch of Planeswalkers that are super strong in your ninety nine. They don't have the text; they can be your commanders. And I actually think that. Maybe Teferi would be on this list, but the the deck uh, version of him is just so much better as the deck. Yeah, but yeah, Teferi. I think Teferi and Jace Rin's could project, yeah. could both make it onto this list. You'll play him in the ninety nine, but Aminatu and Lord Windgrace. You really want to build the deck around them, and I yeah. don't think you probably put them in. I don't too think many so at all. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just it would just be so weird to be like, I really need Lord Windgrace for this deck to work. Oh, he's in the ninety nine though. <laughs> <laughs> You're not gonna see him anytime soon. Okay, so who do you think is the best Planeswalker that's in the ninety nine? Easy. It's the one that every single deck can play. It's Ugin, Eugene, the Spirit Dragon. He does cost eight. 
However, his minus ability is by far one of the most powerful and flexible board wipes in the game. Uh, you can minus X him to... He comes in with seven loyalty, so you can minus X him up to seven to exile each permanent with converted mana cost X or less. That's one or more colors. So exiling. You're not destroying. You're getting them off the, the that battleground uh, permanently. And that in and of itself is one of the most powerful things you can do in Commander. Yeah, this is a very, 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 very powerful card. Yep. Literally won't be embarrassing in almost any deck. No. Uh, and some decks, of course take super advantage of it and this is win con in very powerful decks like my teferi chain veil deck mm -hmm. a lot of times you win with ugin because eventually you play the ugin and you've activated chain veil so 700 times that yeah. you just bolt everybody to death yeah. that kind of stuff and it's a plus two so he will deal three damage to any target he'll go up to nine and his ultimate's at 10 it's really not hard for him to get to ultimate status or to just wipe the board and then start building up again we've seen this with karn as a card that can plus three and that's obviously very powerful so the fact that he can jump up that hard and that every deck can play him that's why he's a very high price point uh, card and that's just why he's just insanely good in commander okay so number two on the list i think the second most powerful planeswalker that can be in your 99 in commander is a white one yeah it's elspeth sun's champion if you notice she does something very similar to what ugin does yes. which is why she's so flexible she's four white white for a four four loyalty planeswalker her plus one is create three one one soldier tokens Three. Yeah. This destroyed standard. It was one of the most powerful so cards in standard broken. for a very long time because making three bodies for six mana. If you if it just said six mana, create three one one white soldiers creature tokens, it wouldn't be the worst card in the world. But the fact that she goes up to five loyalty and then can keep doing it. Well, and the soldier tokens can block for her, yeah. so it you, you have to have four creatures that can attack her, and one of them, all of them, have to be five power, right? Or yeah. have trample or something. Like or it's, flying, yeah, yeah, it's insanity. Her negative, and if if you if you're like, oh, well, they do have that, then you play her and you go, well, her negative is negative three, destroy all creatures with power four or greater. Yeah. So two incredibly useful things in Commander. Both of them are always relevant, creating more creatures as well as a board wipe on a stick, basically. Also, I would say Ugin and Elspeth both are one-sided board wipes, right? Yeah. Uh, potentially, Ugin doesn't hit itself. Uh, Elspeth creates tokens that don't get hit by her own board wipe. Yep. Uh, her ultimate is not that important. It basically pumps your whole team. And gives them flying. Yeah. Um, it, it happens once in a while, but that's not why she's good. All right. Another very, very powerful uh, card that we believe is, again, we're doing, it's either colorless or monocolored, I think, because it makes it more flexible for more decks. Um, this one is a bit more artifact-based. It's Tezzeret the Seeker, who's three blue-blue for a four loyalty planeswalker. And again, his first two abilities. I, I find that if the first two abilities, if you just forget the ultimate, if those are good, it usually makes it onto this list of best planeswalkers. His first one, a little bit like Teferi, uh, it's plus one, untap up to two target artifacts. And his minus X, search your library for an artifact card with converted mana cost X or less and put it into the battlefield. Then shuffle your library. Onto the battlefield. Yeah, so three blue, blue. Would you pay five mana for a mana vault? Yes. Would you pay five mana for a soul ring? Yes. Would you pay five mana for a divining top? That's usually not what you're getting, though. I know. You know, you're getting Panharmonicon, or you're right. getting, you or you're getting a combo piece like a Rings of Bright Hearth, or a, yeah. You know, you're getting something very, very powerful, or you plus one at once, and now you're getting Paradox Engine or something like that. Yeah. You could find Bolus's Citadel. And if you, you already have those enough. on the battlefield, you just untap those artifacts when he comes in. So if you had like a Mana Vault or a Mana Crypt on the battlefield, and you have this out, you were just gaining mana back. Not the colored part of it, but you just basically cast him for quote unquote free, and he goes up to five loyalty. It's not that hard to be up on mana playing Tezzeret. Right? Oh, absolutely. If you not. have a mana yeah. vault and a Basalt Monolith, you just boom, I got six mana and I paid five. It does require you to be in an artifact based deck, but again, those colors and in general in Magic 
Artifacts are very powerful. Yep. They also dodge Ugin removal. There's very few decks that don't have at least like one or two key artifacts. Yeah. Right? I mean, everyone's running Soul Ring at the very least. And you need to have ramp. And one of the best ways to access that in every single color, again, artifacts. All right. We're not going to read all the abilities on these next few because this episode would take forever. So yeah. the next one is Xenagos the Reveler. Basically has a couple of modes, makes two twos, and gives you a bunch of mana for each creature you control. So kind of a guy's cradle mm -hmm. on a planeswalker. So if you take the most powerful land of all time and make it a planeswalker, that's pretty good. Yeah, Andy Hull regularly will beat me with this card because the red-green beatdown decks that spit out a lot of creatures and then Xenagos to, again, spit out even more creatures and then beat you in the face, well, it's pretty good. Yep. Not to mention his creating a 2-2 red-green instead of creature token also makes his plus one better. Yep. And it costs zero loyalty to do that. Very few times uh, planeswalkers actually do that. Uh, this next one is what I think a lot of people get actually really salty about this card because its effect is very unique to magic. It's Soren Markov. He costs three black, black, black. Got to be pretty uh, in that color to play this card. But his minus three target opponent's life total becomes 10. You just say, what's your life at? No, it's 10. It's 10. It's Tree of Perditions, but it doesn't even have that thing where you wait a rotation of the table because it does it now. <laughs> yeah, it does it now. And if, again, this is a great way to combat those infinite life gain decks or people that are just out of range, like, oh, man, he, he has no board, but he has 60 life. Well, I guess we can chip at them. Like, no, 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 you can actually put them at 10. And then that changes your entire game if that happens. We had a game the other night where the table teamed up against me Somebody sorned me. They came up with a plan. It was great because I was way ahead. Uh -huh. And I passed the turn and they were like, Soren, set you to 10. And I was like, still pretty good. And then somebody goes, play Zancha, give it to you. And everybody just paid their man and activated it and killed you me. You immediately died? died. Yeah. Oh <laughs> it my was awesome. gosh. That's brutal. <laughs> yeah, because I, I was at 10. So they only had to activate a couple times. I yeah. was just dead. It's yeah. hard to not take up that offer too if you see it on the table. Like if yeah. someone's at 10 and you, you kind of basically have a free kill on them, you kind of have to take it. Well, they all had to work together, right? The first person plays a sword. The second one plays a Zancha. The third one uses their mana to activate the Zancha, Zancha to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. Uh, the next one is one of my favorites. It's Garrick Wildspeaker. And Garrick has a plus one that's untaps two lands. The minus ability mm -hmm. makes a 3-3. Three, three. Do you notice how many of these, uh, planeswalkers. these planeswalkers make a token of some kind? Mm -hmm. Almost all of them that we've or mentioned Or they have so far, some kind of removal. Or they have that. a board wipe or something. Because they, they basically say, I play this, and you can't get to it. So yeah. I don't have that problem that we mentioned where it's like, oh, they're just going to kill it for free. Mm-hmm. And in the case of Garrick and Tezzeret, they're also making you more mana. So if you don't need to make the creature or you don't need to search out an artifact, you just get to cast something else because you were able to ramp in that way. And you get to have one of those turns where we say, like, if you can play three spells in the turn, you are way far ahead. Well, I'm thinking Tezzeret, too. If you were in a situation where you're going to play Tezzeret and it's going to get killed immediately, you just negative it and get an artifact out that's right. not going to get killed immediately. And the, so there's, it's hard to get blown out where, like, you get a minimal effect. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And Garrick untaps just lands. Usually it's like forests. No, you got no, your guys' cradles. Lands, you yeah. got all kinds of crazy lands Bounce out there. lands, ancient yeah. tombs. Yeah, it's very easy, again, to play Garrick for free, basically. Yeah. Uh, the next is one of my favorite cards. It's Dak Faden. I think he's gone, passed away, potentially. Who knows? In the trailer, it certainly seemed It looks like Dak. I think it was Spark Dak. got ripped out. Yeah, yeah, and he, was, he had the, the red glove reaching towards Lily on the trailer. Okay, Dak's dead. Zed's dead, baby. Um, <laughs> Whose motorcycle is this? <laughs> one blue and a red. Got any Pop-Tarts? <laughs> Pop-Tarts. Yeah, you know the scene where he's sitting there and then the Pop-Tarts come oh, yeah, and he just yeah. mows down John Travolta, yeah. Uh, he's plus one, he gets to draw two and discard two. So that's actually by itself very powerful, especially in blue-red, spells-based decks, graveyard-based decks, and that, and that. His minus two, though, gain control of target artifact. 
You just steal an artifact. For three mana, too, right? And he's still sitting there, yeah. so it's possible that... It's like, not until deck leaves the battlefield. You just get it. And a three MC CMC is very... Is, is a lot different than five and six, right? Because yeah. there's definitely potential that you played this on turn two with a little ramp, and there's nothing to attack it. Yeah. And, and so, even just taking a soul ring is oh, fine. Oh, so good. <laughs> I mean, the thing about Dak is that he's very flexible. There's almost always going to be some juicy target to take. I've stolen worm coil engines with this thing. It's going to find a target for three mana. It's super efficient. And he has a looting ability, too. Yeah. A, a double loot. He draws two and discards, too. So Dak by itself, very powerful. Okay, so those are our top uh, commanders in the 99. However, War of the Spark just came out. And there are three Planeswalkers here in this set that we think may eventually make it onto this list. And yep. so we're gonna talk about them really quickly here. And then we'd like to hear from you out there whether you think any of these is likely to make it onto the best commanders in, or sorry, best planeswalkers in, in your 99. In your 99, yeah. yeah. So the first one is the buy a box promo for the set. It's Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge. And the big thing about this is that he has a static ability that says creature and planeswalker spells you cast have affinity for artifacts. He's able to return an artifact to your hand. He can also deal X damage to each opponent where X is the number of artifacts you control, and then you gain life. So dealing damage to opponents not as relevant. Returning an artifact from a graveyard to your hand, very important. We see a lot of artifact decks play that one land that just puts it on top of their library, right? Well, there's all kinds of combo-y stuff with scrap trawlers and yeah. KCI and all that stuff, and this is just could be a component in that. And he's, reducing, he's reducing the spell costs for creatures and planeswalkers. They I have, think that's what puts him over the top. If he yeah. didn't have that text where your creatures and planeswalkers get affinity for artifacts, I don't think it'd be as good. But the fact that it's reducing the cost of stuff, mm -hmm. potentially by a ton, yeah, allowing you to play like three or four things. Like that's Well, you just... play a six mana card and then all of a sudden you just play five other things out of your hand. Very possible, right? Or you bounce something and then you play that and then boom. Especially like just go off. artifact creatures, which you're likely to have because you want a lot of artifacts. Like yeah. War Coil Engine just becomes free. Like that's kind of nuts. Yeah, Lightsteel Colossus <laughs> becomes free maybe. I'm interested to see if he factors in a lot, I have a I have a pretty good feeling that he is going to be one of the the better ones. Not as good still as Tezzeret the Seeker because the Tutor I think is just yeah. inherently more powerful. But he's going to be up there, I think. This one I think is a little more narrow. It could be as far as top end powerful, but I don't think it's probably going in as many decks. Although yeah. this is a very powerful effect, so it's Ral Storm Conduit. Uh, Ral costs two, a blue and a red, so four mana. So it's plus two, Scry one. His negative two, though, is when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy that spell, you may choose new targets for the copy. And then his static abil ability is whenever you cast or copy <laughs> an instant or sorcery spell, then he deals one damage to target opponent or planeswalker. It's that or copy thing, I think, that was yeah. uh, made it a little bit more broken than it would have been because with fork spells of your own, he forks potentially another fork spell. And there are so many of them in red and blue that, like, Oh, there's so there's many. There's all kinds of crazy, like, infinite shenanigans of just basically... He has Storm in his name, by the yeah, way. Let's just mention yeah. that part of yeah. it. And, yeah, just storming off would be fine with Ral because he's dealing that one additional damage if you're casting spells too, although generally when you storm off, you don't need it. But Yeah. If you could do it to creatures, I think it would definitely put him over the edge, but you're right. This is definitely a more narrow deck build, so whether or not it makes it into the big leagues, we'll find out very soon. This right. one has, just has a lot going on. Yeah, it's Liliana Dreadhorde General. I actually saw a really interesting play yesterday uh, when we were uh, playing with this uh, card in Limited. She does have a static ability that says whenever a creature you control dies, draw a card. And we're already playing cards in black that cost six mana that have that same effect. Yep. 
Her plus one, she makes a 2-2 black zombie creature token. Her minus four, each player sacrifices two creatures. And then her minus nine, should you ever get to it, each opponent chooses a permanent. They control of each permanent type and sacrifices the rest. Just opponents. Um, I saw... That, that's big. That's, yeah, That is huge. a win the game immediately ultimate. This, yep. Is that the first one of these that really has that, that are in our best? Yeah, because I don't think Elspeth, Ugin, Tezzeret, Senegal, any of those guys really just You're win the game. You're not playing them for You're not playing them for a little bit, yeah. Um, it was interesting because we had the uh, Vraska out, and then instead of being like, well, my opponent only has two creatures on the board, Vraska makes a token, then you sack both your creatures because you get to draw two cards off of them, and you wipe your opponent's board partially. That's the thing that wasn't clear to me when looking at this card the first time. Her negative, which is each player sacrifices two creatures, it's each player, and that seems bad, but actually... You draw cards for the creatures you sacrifice. Yeah. So it kind of, similar to Elspeth, it's like a mini board wipe. Obviously, Elspeth and Ugin are going to get rid of more stuff. But there's going to be a lot of times you play Lily, you minus her, everybody sacks two creatures, and that does protect her. Mm-hmm. Well, your Kess deck. Yeah. How did you beat around the the edict effect of a Shieldred on the field last time you played? Put two creatures out. Two, yeah, exactly. That's, this is a double edict. That you actually... have to like Snapcaster Mage on the yeah. upkeep so that you can like, yeah. But everyone sacrificing two creatures really hoses every single kind of commander deck that is reliant on a single commander. Edict yeah. effects already are okay in commander, but I think each player sacrificing two creatures and then you're drawing for anything that you're sacking, it just takes this over the edge a little bit here. I, and I think also because that ultimate is so powerful that she's definitely going in like super friends decks and stuff. Because yeah. if, you, if you doubling season into this, you're, you're going to win. Everyone has one land. Yeah, it's very, very powerful. Everyone except you, of course. Yes. Okay, so... Again, be interested to hear which of these three, you Tezzeret, think. Raul, or Liliana from um, War of the Spark, you think is maybe going to potentially make it into the best Planeswalkers in Commander, you know, all around. Okay, nice. so we're going to go to our next uh, subject here, our next chapter, which is we're going to be in this environment here where there's a lot more Planeswalkers. Everyone's excited about Planeswalkers. What are some good cards to put in your deck against Planeswalkers. So maybe you're in your playgroup and you're not thinking, yay, I'm going to put Planeswalkers in my deck. You're thinking, oh man, everyone's going to put Planeswalkers in their decks. What should I do about it? Yeah. I'll say this from the get-go. Do not just put any cards that say just destroy target Planeswalker. Right. Do not do that. Because again, if you're playing your decks in multiple places and that card never comes relevant, then it's just a dead card and you never want to draw that. So I would avoid dedicating slots of Planeswalker-specific cards, but there are a lot of ways to get rid of them that are better in general for your deck. And this first one we talk about a lot, and it's something that I think you've actually created a trend of in Magic for EDH, which is play more early drop creatures. Post new mulligan rules, uh, haste, evasion, fast one drop, two drop, three drops that have value but also attack. Really good answers to Planeswalkers. Yeah, in general, you can attack Planeswalkers. So a way to sort of make your deck better against that card type without making it worse, like you said, yeah. against like when you're not facing Planeswalkers is to just play impactful and meaningful, you know, one and two drops. Maybe just skew towards early on your curve, Have get a couple creatures out. Because a lot of times against a Planeswalker deck, you get down like a... A two drop, you know, like a like a two mana two two that has an ability. Yeah, that's why you're playing it. But at the same time, like a scavenging ooze or something. Death and they're Shaman. like, crap, I can't play my planeswalker because they'll just swing and they'll hit just it. swing it for free. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 very powerful to just have a couple creatures on the board. Yeah, um, cards. Let's say like a, a one of those spirits that sacrifices to give your team indestructible. It's a yep. great card because you're playing a card that helps out, but it's also a two on evasive flyer. Yeah, that's a great one. All right, we're gonna go through the colors now. White, oblivion ring. 
Angelic Purge. Oblivion Ring and Angelic Purge are just good ways to get rid of permanence. Uh, and that's the main word that you're looking for is permanence or non-land permanence in cards that can deal with Planeswalkers. Because while they have the Planeswalker subtype, they're not a creature or whatever else, they're still a permanent on the battlefield. Grasp of Fate is one of my favorites because it gets yeah. one thing from each of your opponents and it can get a Planeswalker from one of them if they've got that, but it'll also be like, I'll snag your artifact and your enchantment. You're yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I would look for board wipes that say destroy all non-land permanents you know, maybe instead of just getting all creatures or whatever, because you're likely to see a lot more Planeswalkers. Yeah. And if you destroy all creatures, you're helping the Planeswalker deck. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Black has Hero's Downfall is a, just an instant destroy target creature or Planeswalker. Oh, planeswalker. Yep. Yeah. And so that's that's uh, more flexible because it can hit Planeswalkers, doesn't have to. Thief of Blood, I think, is a really good one. When this yeah. creature enters the battlefield, it takes all counters off everything, and then it gets that many plus one, plus one counters. So it kills all Planeswalkers. Just boom, yeah. takes all their loyalty counters away. And and then it's huge also. I think that card probably goes up in value a lot because it's generally fine if it just gets a few counters off of you know some other things that well, are out there. Yeah, someone has a, a, you know, they're putting counters on their Blast Zone now or whatever, or they're making their uh, their Mana Rock have counters and tap for more or whatever They're playing Animar or something like yeah. that. It doesn't yeah, target, yeah, yeah. so it, it just takes them all. I wrote down the Elder Spell because I do believe that it's devastating enough that you could play this card, even though it just says Planeswalkers. If you had to dedicate one slot, it could be this one. Yeah. But I think it goes up way higher if you have a Planeswalker as well. True, true, true. But so. I, I believe you could play the Elder Spell now, and like you're like, uh, possibility in some games it's a dead spell, but mm -hmm. it's so good sometimes where like somebody has... Because we've been in those games where like somebody gets their third Planeswalker out, and it just feels like there's just no way out of it. Right. But an Elder Spell could give you an out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because I'd say one Planeswalker is okay. Two yeah. gets worse. Three to five, it is almost unstoppable. Because yeah. you, you everyone has to team up, and even then you can't guarantee they're going to get rid of all of them. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on to red, which is traditionally pretty good at dealing with Planeswalkers because direct damage spells will often hit yeah. the Planeswalker. So like Lightning Bolt, you can just be like... I do three damage to that Planeswalker, which will kill it. Right. I think you want to just get better burn. And Red has been better about this in in recent years. There's a lot of different cards. Uh, for instance, Electro Dominance. It's X Red Red and deals X damage to any target. And then you can cast a card with CMC X or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. I love this card. Yeah, it's great. It's one of those things that Red doesn't have, which is kind of cheating a mana cost in a lot of ways. Yeah. You're like, normally, because a Fireball, it seems like it would be good, but anytime you actually put a Fireball in your deck, you're like, do I want to spend my whole turn killing this one thing and then have shields down? I and don't also figure really out how this to. card works. Yeah. <laughs> but Electro Dominance is like, oh, I can hold it till the end step before my turn, know that I'm yeah. safe, fire it off, and get additional value. I love Electro Dominance. It's great. Uh, we played with Ben Bateman recently, and he always plays modern-themed decks. Just cards that are really good in modern, and he just puts them in commander decks. Yep. And so a card like Lightning Bolt, even though it's just like, sure, you remove one thing, sometimes you do just need to remove one thing, and three damage is enough to do that. I did want to say that Red got a little worse at dealing with Planeswalkers than it used to because they yeah. oracled a bunch of the old cards. And so redirecting of damage got taken away. And so you kind of got to look basically in general, and this is not going to be correct across the board. So don't like come at me with like specific. Well, it doesn't work that way. But in mm -hmm. general, if a card did pinpoint damage to something, then they changed the or to, to like a player. They oracled it so you could also hit a Planeswalker if you wanted to. But if a card did damage to like everybody, the Oracle didn't allow you to now redirect the redirect damage, it, which you yeah. used to be, kind of be able to do. So Red did get a little worse at dealing with Planeswalkers, which yeah. is too bad. You want to look that card up in Gatherer when you're looking for the new card, and you want to make sure it says any target. Yeah. 
Um, in blue, we have bounce. So this is like if a planeswalker is getting close to ultimating. It's not the best if you have to like bounce an Ugin. Capsize it or something. Yeah. Oh man. Bouncing <laughs> like, an Ugin just feels so bad. Or even like an Elspeth. <laughs> any any card that comes in and has a devastating effect. But this is like one of the last resort sort of things. Like, okay, they think they're gonna get it. I'm gonna bounce it before they can. Right. Um counterspell in general. Play. That's why blue's so good. It can answer every card type. Yeah, literally. Because Counterspell just kind of does, yeah. You can steal stuff in blue as well, and your Planeswalker it's, is now mine. It's hard to... Yeah, it's possible, but it's more difficult to steal Planeswalkers. I would like them to put like more gain control of target creature or yeah. Planeswalker. There's like Inbolus's Clutches, but there's also Blatant Thievery kinds of cards. Yeah. Imprisoned in the Moon is my new favorite kind of cycle that's that they've one. done. Cycle, quote unquote. It's only in blue and green so far. But you basically, you turn the thing into not a thing. White has Dark Steel Mutation. They're kind of oh, that's flirting right. that's with right. it. That's yeah. Right. yeah, but yeah, 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 you turn it into like a land or a colorless land or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Speaking of that effect, the other color that has it is green. Green has Song of the Dryad. So they can turn a Planeswalker into a forest, basically. So that turns off all its abilities and whatnot. Bummer. Yeah. Uh, also, green just has a lot of destroy target non-creature permanents. Yeah. And Planeswalkers are non-creatures, so Terracidon does that. Woodfall Primus, yeah. Beast Within. Green actually, I think, has some of the best removal in the game. People just don't realize it. Now, I put an interesting one here on the list, and I think that another thing to think about is not just destroying the Planeswalker, but Planeswalkers require a lot of support to be good. Mm -hmm. And so I think something like Cross and Grip is actually a good answer to planeswalker decks because chain veil and um uh, doubling season, doubling season yeah. and like a whole bunch of other things that help planeswalkers out are things that you need to answer and cursing grip in the split second can really be useful all right all right um in the other colors you there are really a lot of options we're just going to list them off pithing needle phyrexium revoker perilous vault just a way to get rid of everything Permanent removal, so anguish unmaking black white's got tons of this assassin's trophy mails from pulse silmagar's command just yep. gets rid of them too. And, and that card, I think, is actually really great. Ulamog, Merciless Eviction. Ulamog's the answer to everything. Yeah, yeah, truly. <laughs> Merciless Eviction is a good one. Until now, it was kind of the only thing we had that would just wipe all the specifically Planeswalkers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I like that. There's like in Garrick's Wake and some other stuff. Yeah. Okay, we're going to continue on and we're going to talk about what cards are good to play with your Planeswalkers if you're building a Planeswalker deck. But before we get into that, we're going to take a message from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right, we are back. 
our next subject here is what cards are good with planeswalkers. So let's say you're the degenerate one that wants that wants to play all the planeswalkers. <laughs> let's take a look at some cards that will help basically stop what we just talked about, which is what are good against planeswalkers. Yeah, this is what's good with planeswalkers. Yeah, um, I like how you put one of the most expensive cards in Magic on here. There's stuff, two two of them. Two of them. Yeah, yeah. St- stuff that hoses creatures and basically says no. So stacks esque effects. Yeah, like a moat stops people from attacking. Tabernacle at Pendril Vale. Taxes or everyone for their creatures. Pendril Miss is yeah. a, an enchantment version of that. The Abyss, these are all expensive cards. I'm, I'm using these as baselines. There's many cards that simulate these type of effects, though. Yeah. The Abyss makes everybody sack a creature every turn. Humility is a really... It's a really good one, but a really bad one also because it's a real pain to play against. Oh, it turns God. all creatures into 1-1s with no abilities. Elspeth doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Spreading Plague is an enchantment favorite of mine in non-creature decks, which mm-hmm. is anytime a creature enters the battlefield, it destroys all other creatures that share a color with it. Yeah. These all don't affect the Planeswalkers. And Planeswalkers basically are just like, let's just keep the creatures at bay, and then I'll just get my value over and over. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, they're kind of just peering over me like, whoa, you guys are going at it. Yeah. Eh, okay. Okay, I'll just keep drawing my cards or doing my thing until I get to ultimate, or even I don't even have to ultimate. I just get enough value, I run you over. Yeah. Stacks-based effects are also very powerful. Stasis, Winter Orb, Static Orb, things that basically stop opponents from getting the answers out to your Planeswalkers. I think specifically dealing with your opponents untapping, making it hard for them to untap. Meek Stone and stuff would work pretty good in here too, because... A planeswalker does not care if it's tapped or not. Mm-hmm. So the untapped step doesn't matter to planeswalkers. So if you can make the untapped step particularly more difficult on your opponents than normal, that's going to give you an advantage. You're in a good spot. Um, okay, loyalty counters. So we've talked about this already a lot. Doubling season, just great in token decks in general, but really busted with planeswalkers. It immediately doubles their loyalty when they go into the battlefield. So oftentimes you can just ult them and uh, get to that game-winning spot. Deep Glow Skate is another creature they printed recently that does that, but just for one target when it enters the battlefield. And Proliferate is back. And we have a lot of cards that now proliferate. So you get to choose any number of uh, permanents with a counter on them, and you can add one of that counter type to each of those permanents. Yeah, so anything that messes with loyalty counters is great. Attraxa, Evolution Sage, Karn's Bastion. Yep. These are uh, a couple of those are new. Contagion Engine. Very good, too. Yeah. So those require a bit more setup, though. So at the least, if you're playing against it, you can kind of see it coming, which is good. And you can yeah. get rid of the piece that really busted. They do mess you up, though, sometimes in that, depending on, you know, some of these you're going to see it on the board. But sometimes it can be like, oh, we've got two turns till that's going to ultimate. Yeah. Proliferate, proliferate. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. Didn't yeah. see that coming, especially with the one that when you cast a non creature spell, it proliferates. Uh, stuff that was templated before Planeswalkers existed. So two really good examples are Nev's Disc and Pernicious Deed. Both of these destroy all artifacts, enchantments, and creatures. Mm -hmm. So that's not going to touch your Planeswalkers. And this can be very, very powerful, especially if you have a a Planeswalker that can get an artifact back or get an enchantment back from the graveyard and keep redoing it, which definitely happens. And when those decks get into that loop, it can be just impossible to get out of because nothing you're going to play is going to stick on the field. Yep. And, of course, there are the cards that do refer to Planeswalkers specifically. Chain Veil is, again, a card. If you want to pick it up, I would say do it very soon. Probably too late now. Yeah, maybe too late, but it's, <laughs> it's. I think it's just still going to climb until they decide yeah. to reprint it. Yeah. Um, the Oaths, Oath of Nyssa and Teferi, both affect Planeswalkers as well. Yeah, all the Oaths are possible, but I think Oath of Nyssa and Teferi are probably the best two. Yeah. Oh, I missed this one entirely, actually. What? Planeswalkers are now legendary permanents. Right. So stuff that refers to either legendary or historic permanents are also going to be good uh, in Planeswalker-type decks because since the rule change, all Planeswalkers were oracled to be legendary. So yep. like Captain Sisse can tutor for any Planeswalker. 
or as if she needed help getting better right there's a here's a card you played it on one of the game nights yep primeval's glorious rebirth just dominaria was very good set for <laughs> for the old super friends decks we've seen by the way like wizards has put a lot more effort into tribal right right they put a lot more effort into legendary creatures and now they're putting a lot more effort into planeswalkers you can see where the trends are going and those are definitely things to pay attention to as players i think if you're wanting to build towards the supported cards that are going to get a lot of help and can be potentially very affordable because they're in brand new sets by the way primarios primeval's glorious rebirth gets uh, legendary things back from the graveyard yeah all right, so as usual, super easy to focus on deck building, what cards we're going to put on our decks and whatnot, but you also have to play against the cards, you know, in the game. Mm -hmm. So how do you play against Planeswalkers? That's our next sort of chapter. Should you always attack a Planeswalker when you have the chance? Like once a Planeswalker hits the battlefield, mm -hmm. does it become your first priori priority? Like I got to get that thing gone? I think you have to evaluate a couple of things. One, is it going to be something that dominates the table as opposed to is it something that dominates you? So if it's a Planeswalker that very specifically affects your game plan, then yeah, you got to get rid of it. And if it's something that affects the table, uh, you should definitely talk to the table about it. I've seen a lot of times when people are so focused on their game plans that they let other players go off because maybe they're not their idea of interactive is different than yours. But if that interactivity is going to be destroyed by that planeswalker, it's something that I think everyone needs to understand. And again, the politics of everyone attacking your planeswalker, you kind of are inviting it when you play it, right? Yeah, I think it's yeah. It you know you've listened to this episode. We're, we're talking about planeswalkers, and and it's kind of incumbent upon you to press upon the other players you know how bad the situation is and how you can work together to sort of get it under control yeah and a lot of times like we said planeswalkers with a little bit of team up can be taken out more or less for free yeah and in general if i can i want to do that i want to team up with everybody get that thing off the table and i like to impress upon everybody at the table like hey listen it may not look bad but what if proliferate happens twice or what, what if you may think out, you have yeah. time but we don't know what's in their hand and we don't know how bad it's going to get how quickly it's just way safer if we can just get that thing off the board and it's again the smart way to play is to not show all your hand before you play you may play a planeswalker that may seem innocent on the surface and then you deep close skate it right i think you should always ask yourself can they cast Deep Close Skate? And if they do, what happens? Right. And if that case scenario is everyone loses, then it's a it's immediate conversation point. Like, do we need to get rid of this or not? There are very few Planeswalkers that I think everyone's like, we need to get rid of this. The one that I think I've seen stick around the longest is the Jace that draws everyone a card when it pluses. Yeah. Because I've seen it's Kessler being like, hey, you guys want to draw cards? And we're like, yeah, okay, why not? All right, <laughs> yeah. we'll let it live. Yeah, we'll let it live. As long as you only do that. The moment you minus one it, we're killing it. The moment like, you only are the only one that draws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, then, yeah. I think that's a really big thing is, and people forget about it, right? Is just how bad it can be if the calculation is it goes awry. If you yeah. look at it and go like, no, nah, we're fine. It's fine for a little while. Are you sure? Yeah. You should actually ask that about most things on the table. True. Enchantments, creatures. Planeswalkers just happens to be one that are instantly attached to a win condition sometimes. And it can be more difficult, right? Like if, if nobody's got an artifact removal, you kind of almost have to cross your fingers and hope. But, yeah. but a planeswalker, a lot of time, it's like, listen, let's just attack that thing. It's really not that hard. Yeah. And and also, I think when you do a 3v1 situation, it's much different than going 2v2 yeah. or 2v1. And then the other player goes, well, now we have to team up. When you go 3v1, everyone's in a position where after it's done, everyone's like, okay, I think we did the right thing there. We controlled the problem and you understand what you did. <laughs> so you can't really get mad at us, really. So I think it actually evens out politically. It's not a huge sacrifice to make that argument. But I would say most times, not all the time. And of course, yeah. it, de it depends on a variety of factors. But when a planeswalker hits the table... 
that's that's something that I want to get out, yeah. get off the table as fast as possible. Yeah. Okay. So we don't often put on our game designer hats on this show, but we do wear hats often though. Yeah. Well, I'm wearing a hat now. The sweetest hat, by yeah. the way, old school magic wow. logo. Um, but we're gonna put on our game designer hat right now. We're gonna ask a question: What would we change about Planeswalkers? We yep. thought it might be fun a little bit to sort of look into the future because recently R&D did sort of change how Planeswalkers work. Yeah. Uh, but first, we wanted to go over a short history of the Planeswalker, sort of see where we came from and understand the evolution up till now. Yeah, so for the first 14 years of Magic, no significant changes to card types. So we it was some, 14 years. Yeah, 14, right. yeah. Right. There, there, we made interrupts into instants. Uh, Mana Burn got rid of, we got rid of Mana Burn, and Mark Rosewater identified as that fact where you're not changing the game a little bit or adding new card types was something that would kill Magic uh, if left unattended. So that's sort of where the Planeswalker idea originally sort of emanated from. And the original idea for Planeswalker is actually what we now know as sagas from Dominaria. They had proposed it was something that came in and there were um, acts and each maybe at the end of each turn an act would trigger and then when it was all over the Planeswalker would be done and it would leave the battlefield. You didn't have any choices it just did A, B, C and then Yeah, kind of like what, how the sagas work yeah. now. So we saw that that was turned into sagas eventually. And the current idea of a Planeswalker losing loyalty came from an unused mechanic called Structures that Richard Garfield actually originally designed for Ravnica City of Guilds. Yeah, he was thinking like, you could slowly chip away at this tower, yeah, and no, so it has to have its own amount of hit points. And then, you know, yeah, it's like a building, it's a structure that you can kind of destroy eventually. So they made it into loyalty for Planeswalkers as well. And that's sort of how we have our modern day Planeswalkers. And today, of course, now we have Planeswalkers that have static abilities on them, which is something that we really didn't see before. So they kind of act like enchantments, and some of them only tick downwards. And I think this is, in general, a great way to improve upon what Planeswalkers were without always having to stick to the same old archetype of a plus one, a minus one, and an ultimate. I actually think this is way better, and I wish they would have done it from the start. The way they did it in War of the Spark, a lot of these Planeswalkers are like half Saga, half Enchantment. Mm -hmm. They have loyalty counters, but they don't have choices. I also think the fact that Planeswalkers have so many choices is not great for gameplay because a lot of times the sit player there. sits there thinking about which of the things they want to do. If they have a couple of Planeswalkers, it can get like really, really, really tedious just yeah. waiting for the person to make decisions. I think it's just overall better. Even like Raul, who only has a plus and a minus, and it's, there's no ultimate to get to. So you're never making the calculation of like, do I want to build towards that ultimate? Or you're just like, what effect do I want? I'm going to do it. Yeah. And the static ability kind of evens that out. So there's a, like, think of like, I don't know, Kiora or something from the new set. She kind of does work like a saga. Come out, untap something six times. Die. Yeah. Give your, you know, give you some card draw. There is some decision making more than Saga's in that. Well, maybe a lever at three or four mm -hmm. just to have that effect. But in general, I just think it's way smoother, way cleaner. And you can leave these things on the board sometimes now. Yeah. And you don't actually, you're not incentivized like, I have to kill this Kiora. It's like, think well, like she's. Tybalt. <laughs> think of like Tybalt, right? I always think about Tybalt. <laughs> <laughs> Tybalt just, after it makes its two devil tokens, it's at one loyalty and it just says, like, your opponents can't gain life. Yeah. If you're in like a Kess deck or a whatever, you can't gain life anyway. So you don't care. Yeah, you don't Tibble's care there. at all. And yeah, maybe they proliferate, but they're going to get one more little devil demon thing. It's yeah. just not the worst. Yeah. But if you're a deck that wants tokens or needs sacrifice things, Tybalt as a three mana card that gives you two one ones that can potentially be thrown at things, actually pretty good. So it gives it nice balance where it doesn't make it inherently busted or immediate rem remove on site. Yeah. I really um, like it. I think they did a really good job. So how else would you fix or balance how the Planeswalkers currently work, Josh? Well, I'm going to steal yours here because you wrote this down. But well, We talk about it, though, together yeah. often. So emblem, the emblems from an ultimate or whatever are from a Planeswalker are currently something that cannot be interacted with. They just they exist. They're there forever. 
There's, and it's, it's meant to be like a trophy, right? You yeah. worked hard to get it. There's just, just no the way to get rid of the emblem or anything. So once a Planeswalker emblems, especially since emblems are most of the time really, really good, mm -hmm. you just have no ability to do anything about it, which just doesn't feel like magic. Yeah. Like magic is, you know, it's... it's uh, You're never out of it. Kind yeah, of idea, right? it, it's stroke and counterstroke, right? It's yeah. like... You have your plays, but I'm gonna, you know, you're gonna cast an instant, but while that's on the stack, I'm gonna lob it back this, this way. Yeah. yeah, it's a mind game. It's chess, and it crossed with poker is what they call it, right? So you're yeah. playing a mind game, and just to have a thing that's like, nope, this just happens is there forever. It just feels bad, and it changes the rules of the game fundamentally. Now, normally we say enchantments are the things that do that, but you can get rid of enchantments. Yep. So even you know, I think we're at the point now where it's like doubling season and deep glow skate and those proliferate things exist, so that emblems are much easier to achieve, and it doesn't have the same thing that maybe what they're going for, which is like, well, you had to work to earn it. It's like, well, it actually didn't have to work that hard to get this one. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it can be easy if you just go doubling season into Planeswalker on the same turn. Yeah. That just doesn't feel great. Uh, I think they need to make more ways to interact with them in general. Like you yeah. said, like, yeah, sure, you can steal a permanent in blue, but it's, there's only a few real cards that do that well. Uh, I think just adding or Planeswalker to a lot of cards could just in general make them better because it doesn't mean that you are only playing a Planeswalker specific card. It, Hero's Downfall is, I think, my perfect example. It can do two things, kill a creature or a Planeswalker, and most times you're going to be killing creatures, but when you get rid of a Planeswalker, then great, you didn't have to waste another card slot on that. Yeah, because you don't want these dead cards that only deal with Planeswalkers, but you also don't, you know, you want to be able to deal with them in some way, and I think having more and more sort of flexible cards yeah. would make it a lot more fair and a lot more balanced. Um, yeah, those are kind of the, the things, but I think... War the Spark was a really good start. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that they did this because our main complaint was like, well, they slow down the game because you always have to attack them because they're going to, they basically have lifelink. They're gaining you life by People them taking the damage. People forever. But now we have a lot more, you know, Cura, you play it. You're doing one thing with her. You're minus one in Cura, Behemoth, Beckoner, yeah. and you're untapping a land or whatever it is. And then you're playing four power creatures. Yeah. It like, feels like that's still a good card. It's just not like annoying. <laughs> Yeah, it's not annoying, and it doesn't have like so many abilities. That it doesn't you have to be, warp like, the entire game around it either. Yeah, you're exactly. Like, oh my gosh, I got to keep tabs on where it's at and not let it, you know, planeswalker yeah. management. You know, we called it in one of the episodes, which is like, <laughs> oh, let's at least hit it for three, so it's not near ultimate. Yeah, you know, something like that, which is 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 good. Um, I don't think that those are those are not the political games I enjoy playing, which is like it's fun when you have to do that once it's like in a while. Kindergarten, man. Yeah, it's but, like, oh, whoa, whoa, Timmy's messing with the bookcase. Stop him. <laughs> yeah, it's. I always say when Could I my sister, uh, she has four kids. Yeah, and I, I always used to say uh, this is years ago. They're a little older now, but when I used to go to visit them, I felt like for that entire weekend I couldn't finish a sentence because I'd be like. Huh. Because I'd be like, no, Hallie, don't touch the uh, Luca. Come over, yeah, and you just. Right. I was like, how do you guys live like this? Like, because they're just constantly, and they're like, hey, can I have this? Can I do that? One of them is while the other one's climbing the bookcase, and you just yeah. never finish a <laughs> sentence. Like, it's fun, and they know they can take advantage of you because it's Uncle Josh. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> can I have this? I'll, yeah, hold on, I'll look at that in a second. And you just never finish the sentence. Well, that's kind of what it feels like. Like if it happens once in a while, but when, man, when you got a planeswalker manage all the time. I, I just think they're going in the right direction with it. Yeah. And I hope they keep doing it. Power them down. In recent sense, we've seen them get um, more narrow. Yeah. Like Liliana that like, if you're not playing zombie tribal, it's just not good, which I think is is net positive for the game. Yeah. And they still want to make stuff that's exciting for the game. So instead of making them tribal specific, like Liliana is always about zombies. Gideon is always about being a, just a big buff dude with vigilance or whatever it is. It's like, oh, cool. Kiara. Now it's four, four power creatures and then yep. tapping permanence. Both are extremely relevant to the game. And not super busted. Right. Yep. Totally agree. All right. All right. 
Well, uh, Endgame came out, Avengers. And oh, yeah, so we're going into the final portion here. Yeah. This is the fun part. This is the fun part. Bum, we thought it'd be fun. We thought it'd be fun. We're good on our third compare. <laughs> yeah, can we just slot that into the beginning instead? <laughs> Murph, can you do that? Uh, we thought it'd be compared just what Planeswalkers match up with which Avengers. Uh, our I mean, main cast. Let's be honest here. We're clearly... and. I'm not blaming Magic saying they even copied it because the the wheels of all this were put in place for both things years and years, years ago. Years and years ago. Superheroes have been around for a long time. But the parallels between the Magic story and the Avengers storyline cannot be denied. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Nicol Bolas has an Elder Spell. Thanos has a snap. Yeah. Right? Like, it's like all happens in one big swoop. <laughs> Infinity War was all the superheroes coming to fight Thanos. That's what we have in War of the Spark. Yeah. Everybody coming to fight Nicol Bolas. So we thought it'd be fun to sort of try and figure out the main characters, the Gatewatch, basically. Yeah. Which, what was their equivalent in the Avengers? So, all right, Gideon Jura. I think this one's obvious. This is Cap. It's Captain America. Yeah. He is all about the team, about always having hope, fighting, sacrificing himself for the the better good. Right? He's like quintessential Captain America. I also think you know Cap has this interesting part of his personality, which is like he'll get mad. Yeah. And Gideon's got that. Yeah. He's not like all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's good in what he wants to do, but he he might go about it in a way. Like he he might get mad anyway. That's, yeah. Um Jace Bellerin. This is a tougher one, but I I think it's Brains, right? He's smart. He's he's able to outwit, outmaneuver. Which that feels like Tony Stark. Yeah, but he's like not as incredibly destructive as Iron Man is, right? He's not as irreverent. Right. He's not as snarky. Snarky or even pessimistic. Oh, no, Jace can be pretty pessimistic He's a little snarky. I just don't think he's quite yeah. all the way to, like, I'm a full-on alcoholic that Tony Stark is. <laughs> I think what Jace has... Wait, are you talking about Robert Downey Jr. or Tony Stark? <laughs> <laughs> I think what Jace has that, that Iron Man also shares is that he's seen so much and he's been through so much that he doesn't have necessarily, like, it's all going to be okay right, mentality right. about it. He's like, oh, we're screwed. <laughs> my brain's been wiped 80 times. All right, this one was is tougher, I think. Liliana, who do you think is the Avengers equivalent? Well, she is a bit of a villain at a lot of times so she has to be someone that has a darker history and a darker past she's definitely played both sides so yeah. you know at times she is definitely the antagonist and, right but but, but you know recently when they really needed her yeah she's come to the side of the good guys kind of uh, with you know mild complaints yeah i would say black widow is pretty good she was a, a russian spy right she has a dark so past. She, she plays both sides she's a very dark past she used to like do things that you know probably captain america wouldn't really approve of oh absolutely not yeah, yeah. um she also i mean there's no avenger that deals with undead i believe yeah is there like a necromantic there's people that so. control. I mean, I would say Jace in that way by controlling other people's minds, minds has a yeah. bit of that in there. But Liliana is not Jace. Liliana is clearly something else. You wrote down Ant Man because just because he he was a thief, right? And he oh, was okay. kind of a, a a bad dude. Although he never really was. Ant Man's maybe not a good one. I think Gamora. Gamora's a really good yeah. One. Gamora's a good one. She used to work for Thanos. Well, Liliana has teamed up with Nicol Bolas, good so point. maybe Gamora is like the the better yeah. equivalent. And she definitely has seen her entire family. Her entire family died, right? Yeah. So, so, so she has that in common with Lily. Oh, that's as well. interesting. Yeah. yeah. It, it, okay, it's Gamora. It's we Gamora. Got it. Okay, got okay. It. okay. That's Zoe Saldana's character. Yeah. From, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I love the character. Uh, Chandra Nalar. This one's a little tougher. Um, I like this last one the most. I think. Yeah, I think I think Star Lord yeah. is kind of the quintessential. Like, lets his emotions get the to the best, best of him constantly. Good. He's, like fighting for the good 
side generally but if something though at the wrong moment happened might make a really bad decision yeah. based on emotion and i think star lord's a bit self-obsessed and chandra isn't self-obsessed but she will definitely do things that are her emotions and her priorities first um now of course all of this has changed as they've all grown as well so we're talking about like characters in specific points i think captain marvel is actually kind of chandra-ish too because uh-huh. First of all, when she kind of goes all, she looks that is a little Chandra, bit like yeah, Chandra. visually for sure. Yeah, and she'll like shoot stuff out of her hands at things, and That's like true. I, th- I think you know she kind of got angry mm-hmm. in the. She doesn't. I don't think she's as much of a loose cannon like Star Lord is. That, no, that, she no. doesn't have that Chandra. Aspect. Maybe she's like post Chandra when she's like got a little more control cooled down a little bit yeah (laughs) (laughs) um you also wrote thor here is it because of the lightning connection yeah i think and and he's also gets mad yeah i think thor and star lord are actually very similar as characters in terms of like they're cocky they're confident they have that sort of bravado about them thor makes bad decisions through like not thinking it through Mm -hmm. whereas star lord makes bad decisions through like snap in the moment in the moment passion impulsive draw Yeah. yeah yeah Nissa Ravane. Um, I wrote Groot. <laughs> oh, that's a good one, actually. But maybe Groot's a Shia, right? Groot is a Shia. Because Nissa, to me, is more of an archetypical character as far as, like, more of, like, just an all-good character even than Gideon is. Nissa doesn't feel right. like she ever really gets angry, angry, unless you, like, step on a plant. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Kick like, a brush. She, yeah, so to me, it was, um, like, vision was a good mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Also, like, she does, you know, people have said she's very not, she's not all there, quite there. Yeah. Maybe she's a little too into this thing or the world that she's in. So Vision does make a little sense there. Um, I just like Spider-Man maybe because of uh, the innocence of Nissa feels like. And Spider-Man's right. a little more innocent. Like, yeah. Not, Spider-Man doesn't really understand, like, oh, why everyone's arguing with yeah, each other. Yeah, he's, like, he's just okay. like, hey, cool, guys. Yeah, what all right. I do? Yeah. <laughs> Is everything okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. And you wrote Black Panther as well. Wakanda yeah, again, Forever. because it feels like Black Panther is like maybe that's more um, more Gideon too. Yeah, but it feels like Black Panther is very like very um, what's the word wholesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's true. I guess Nissa doesn't really have unwholesome bits. No, at um, all. Like it feels she's like just, she's even more good than Gideon. She's straight connected to nature. Yeah. She's the most earthy of all of them. All right, Nicol <laughs> Bolas. This one's pretty easy, right? Thanos. He's straight up. Thanos. He even likes the color purple. I mean, look at this. This is like a half purple playmat over here. Yeah. Who would win in a fight between Thanos and Nicol Bolas? Thanos and Nicol Bolas. Does Thanos have the Infinity Gauntlet? Nicol Bolas has the Elder Spell. The question, I guess, there is, is, is Thanos, Thanos a, a planeswalker? planeswalker? <laughs> <laughs> he has a spark. He has five, six, five of them. I mean, the, yeah, it's true. Yeah, if, if, if Nicol Bolas has all the activated abilities of everyone, then he has the glove, right? Holy crap. I, it's not the snap that's the real thing it's the fact that he took the sparks thanos went around and gathered up other people's sparks basically that's what the yeah yeah they're all they represent all five different sort of like superpowers maybe they would just equal out (laughs) if thanos is not a planeswalker then i think it's an equal fight but thanos is i don't know they're both very cunning and very smart Mm -hmm. i mean they're the ultimate baddies is smarter than thanos but thanos is like raw more powerful yeah nickel has definitely been around for longer right like, Nicol Bolas could punch you harder. Or, sorry, Thanos could punch you harder than Nicol Bolas. Nicol Bolas could outthink you for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Let no. us know in the comments. Yeah. In fact, to the listeners, where well, I'm going to just scrap the question we had there. <laughs> and I'm going to ask to... I'll also ask the same question. But I really want to know who do you think would win in a fight between, between Nicol Bolas and Thanos. <laughs> yeah, that's what I really want to know. But what also... What they just buddy up? <laughs> no, that would be messed up, man. Yeah. If they had the to universe fight, would be they, no, they couldn't live in the same universe together. True. Right? They couldn't. What would they be like? 
cool. I'll split it with you. No way. Yeah. Neither of those I will say that Nicol Bolas is, I think, assuredly actually more evil. Because I think Nicol... Thanos' well, whole thing was he wanted to get rid of half the population to right, make right. the world function better. Nicol Bolas just wants to get rid of everything so he can have all the power. So they would definitely fight. Yeah. So who would win? <laughs> Me. Josh's triceps. All right. Win. Also, if you want a more serious to the listener's question that has more to do with the bulk of the episode... How are you using Planeswalkers in your meta? Have you found that people in general use them outside of Super Friends deck? Uh, what would you change about how they work in Commander to sort of make them better? Yeah, you put you put on those game designer hats as well, friends. Yeah, we'd like to hear that. Uh, and um, if you're building a Super Friends deck or fighting against one, then you should go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Thanos is doing it. <laughs> I don't know if we're trying to tell people to do what Thanos is doing, but... <laughs> You're going to need cards. You're going to either need Planeswalkers or cards that kill Planeswalkers. And both of those things can be found at Card Kingdom. And when you're getting that stuff, you'll just be simultaneously supporting this show, Game Nights, Extra mm-hmm. Turns, all of our content. We really do appreciate it. Yep. Oblivion Ring gets rid of both Thanos and Nicol Bolas, by the way. So <laughs> Only one of them. You have to choose. Oh, geez. Well, choose the winner, obviously. <laughs> uh, wait until the fight's over. Then. And Oblivion Ring. <laughs> and, of course, Ultra Pro, sponsor of the show. They give us these amazing playmats, the ones that we get to give away to you on Game Nights and all that good stuff. So the next time you're at your local game store or at your big box retailer and you see some Ultra Pro products... Go ahead and buy them. Adorn. I mean, this is almost like more for you than it is for us at some point because it's like you're making your stuff look cooler. That's I'm all about that in Commander. I rarely care about playmats, but this Deliver Unto Evil thing is sweet. You need, you need this thing. I, I don't know exactly what online retailers have it, but some will find them, order it, get, get your hands it. on it. Now. I think Seb McKinnon also has a, uh, a Kickstarter. I don't know if it's still going on. I think on. it's over now. Uh, sorry. Scratch that. You can't. The only way you get it now is through the, this one. Okay. Sorry to let you all down. Okay. Uh, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. You know, there's only one thing we there's can talk about. There's only one thing we can talk So what did you say business analysts were saying about this movie? So the prediction, and I'm not talking about like pundit predictions. This is the This is the prediction from inside of Hollywood. Like, the actual there's a whole bunch of firms and stuff that they go to and they predict box office success mm-hmm. and, and a lot of business decisions are based on that. Are literally predicting that this would be the biggest opening weekend of all time. Place your bets. How many millions? It's I mean three hundred maybe? Yeah. I was thinking three hundred too. I'm yeah. gonna say that's domestic US. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say three hundred and twenty eight. Three twenty eight? You never know. So you know when we worked on Force Awakens, mm-hmm. uh we would always you have like an office in the pool. trailer thing. You almost always do these little bets about the the movies. Not, maybe not every single one, but the big ones. Everyone makes a pool and they write a chart and whatever. And I was the only one to say above two fifty, and I won that pool. What was that? It was like two fifty one. Jeez. Yeah. Maybe three twenty eight's a little aggressive. That what I think is that currently. I don't know what Infinity War did. Um, pretty big too. I'm pretty sure no movie has crossed three hundred yet. This maybe you the think first. it's gonna crush three hundred? Wow. Who knows? I know that AMC theaters are opening for four days straight to yeah. accommodate all the viewings of this show. The there's a there's a downside here to think about, which is it's over three hours long, which means less shows less showings. every day, That's That's which may affect it slightly. But also, movies tend to cost more, and if a lot of those are IMAX screens and 3Ds, they charge more for those, so that can yeah. even that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a whole bunch 3D, of 3D, all that. Yeah. yeah, there's a whole bunch of intricacies, and you can see now why they hire firms to try and do the prediction. I don't know what the official prediction was. I just know it was biggest. I'm gonna say 307. 
307 very and nice 328 we'll see we'll see we'll see next week you'll find out by the time um, you're watching this you'll be able to just google right now go to boxofficemojo.com and check yeah that's a good point yeah. see who's correct yeah. tweet at us let us know <laughs> and and let me know how foolhardy i was or listen it's not crazy yeah it wasn't directed by james cameron though so there's always that <laughs> so um oh yeah we got to talk about our sister podcast the masters of modern in fact Probably the biggest Marvel fan that I know yeah. and the biggest Star Wars fan that I know. Bateman is and Kessler are both huge Marvel and Star Wars super fans. So they host the Masters of Modern podcast. They don't talk about Star Wars and Marvel on that show. Well, sometimes they do. I'm guessing but, they will after this comes out, though. It's gonna probably, be, I think in the past they've done like special episodes just because they're like, listen, I feel like talking about Star Wars. Let's just do one. <laughs> so they could do that for sure. But yeah. in general, they talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. And there's a ton of of implications from War of the Spark, also Modern Horizons. Mm -hmm. Preview season is going to be starting up here soon, and so those guys are going to be in high gear. Yeah, absolutely. Because also, um, oh, and this weekend it will have just ended Mythic Championship London. With the London Mulligan in Modern. In Modern. So a lot for them to talk about. So go to YouTube and type Masters of Modern into your search bar. They will come up there. You can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, under the same name, or at Collected.Company right next to us. All right. Our editors for the show are Ashlyn Rose, Josh Murphy, Murph. and Jared Lafreniere. So thanks, guys and ladies, for helping out make the show, the podcast, every single week. And of course, as always, special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who makes the living card animations that adorn the beginning and end of the podcast, as well as behind us on set here. And you can find them on Twitter at LivingCardsMTG and our video versions of the podcast at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. Okay, we're going to go. But before I do, before we do, I want to say, if you have not watched the most recent episode of Game Nights, yeah. go watch it. Also, and if you audition for Game Nights, don't miss the next episode of the yep. podcast. Hit that subscribe button. All right. And the low notification bell. Thanks for watching. Bing. We'll see you next time. Bye. Peace. Peace. You didn't say it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we'll Peace. see you next time. Peace. There you go. <laughs> Snap. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs>